Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show for December 19th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. We have an absolutely loaded episode for you today. My boy, Scott Shapiro from Churchill Downs is this week's special guest. Scott and I are going to look back at week 15, share our bets for week 16. Plus, Gino will have his horse racing bet of the day. But before I jump into all that, I want to say thank you to the sponsor of the show, Thrive Fantasy. If you're not using Thrive, go to the App Store. Download the Thrive app. Use promo code ETOFT21 for a 100% deposit match. If you're watching on YouTube, link to that is in the description below. Now, let's see what Gino's horse racing by the day is over at Gulfstream Park. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, everyone. We got a best bet for you this week coming up at Gulfstream Park. We're going to be looking at those DRF past performances on daily racing form drf.com anytime you need help when you're preparing for the races so let's look at race number nine what's interesting about this race on thursday there's not many horses in this field that have proven they can come from off the pace that can pass horses late basically this entire field is front runners horses who have really only show that they want to be forwardly placed in here so i'm going through the field who i like is the inside horse. The only thing that concerns me is sometimes when you get the inside draw in a sprint race like this, you could get shuffled back. But Okiro has shown in the last three races that he actually can sit off of horses. He can pass horses a little bit and nobody else has shown that. Um, what is also positive is he has enough speed to stay within striking range. So it's just going to come down to the trip for him. Paco Lopez is jumping aboard. The blinkers are coming on. I think it feels like they're trying to get this guy a victory now. And in cutting back a little bit to five furlongs from five and a half, he'll be able to have a little bit more late punch. Let's see if he can work out a trip just behind the leaders. Can he sit like third or fourth in here and then have some late punch? Okiro is six to one on the morning line. If we can get anything over seven to two, that should be fair value there. Good luck to everyone playing the races this week and Merry Christmas. Hope you all have a nice week with your family and your friends. Good luck. Make sure to give my boy Gino a follow at It's Me, Gino B. I'm on his podcast every single Friday talking NFL, NBA, or college basketball. Now, without further ado, let's welcome this week's special guest, my boy, Scott Shapiro from Churchill Downs. Scott, how are you doing today, my man? What's up, Eric? Good to be back. I think it was just about a year ago to the day that I was uh, made my uh, maiden voyage here on the uh, ETOF 21 Sports Show, and good to be back. Excited uh, for the end of the NFL season and, of course, uh, the playoffs and uh, the holidays. Happy holidays to everybody. Great time of year, man. You know, we got football. We got college basketball starting up. You're a big college basketball guy. I was complaining about Michigan <laughs> to you before we started. My boy, Sports Facts, how the hell did they not cover that game? LOL, Michigan, effing Michigan. Yes, Michigan. Oh, my God. How did you not cover that game? But the joys of betting at college. College kids is always fun. You're a big hoops head. How do you feel about your Wisconsin boys this year? I've actually been kind of out of the loop. I'm not with college hoops. I've had to take a back seat as much as I've always been a big hoops fan. Just the 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 life I've the kind of life that's going on, the things I have to focus on. I haven't been able to get into the season very much. So I want to turn it around and ask you because I know we got that big win against Marquette, but is Wisconsin any good? Um, you have a playmaker on the outside, you have a good guard, you have some size. I think you can make it to the sweet sixteen. 
Really? Well, that would be a tremendous season because, you know, we don't have any Frank Kaminsky's uh, out of the uh, coming out of the woodwork these days. Sam Decker's uh, just that says that seemed like a once in a lifetime for us. And XFL Jim is right. OT where dogs go. Yes. That's exactly. <laughs> nothing, um, nothing better than going to OT with a dog, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate it. Um, been an interesting NFL season. We're getting down. We're starting to see teams dwindle down to the some teams get eliminated. A lot of talks about drafting bears on the forefront of everyone's mind. Really interested to hear your thoughts, what your takeaways are, those who are watching for the first time, how it's going to work. Scott and I each have two takeaways. He'll lead off, and we'll shift our attention over to bets. Scott, what's your first takeaway from Week 15, my friend? Yeah, I'm going to go with something fresh on our minds. Monday Night Football featured the Eagles and Seahawks, and the uh, Seahawks pulling one out behind a 92-yard uh, touchdown drive from Drew Locke. So my first takeaway, and I've thought this for a number of weeks through some ugly wins and now through three straight losses for the Eagles, but it, we've seen it both in Philly and then in Indianapolis and a little bit in Arizona. But, man, the Eagles are really missing their coordinators from last year. Offensive coordinator Shane Steichen has done a tremendous job in Indy with one of the rosters that was considered the worst coming into the year. Then they don't bring in Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson. And Jonathan Gannon had probably the worst roster of the year, and his Cardinals are still trying quite hard. And meanwhile, the Eagles are simply not close to what they were last year on defense. They've really never had talent and safety and linebacker, and they've got through with their pass rush. The pass rush hasn't been that good this year, and their defense is getting shredded. But where it stands out to me more is the offense, where very little has changed, yet there are not a lot of players running open like there were last year. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, et cetera, are running wide open very often in uh, in the secondary, a much stronger running game. It seems a lot less uh, or a lot more disjointed this year, despite having such strong playmakers. So I think my first takeaway from the season as we head into the tail end of it is the Eagles uh, offensive and defensive coordinators are really missing out this year. XFL chimes in the offense seems bland. It does. Offense seems to be missing a little bit. And even before the game, former Lions coach Matt Patricia was calling the, um, the defense Right there, that's when I knew the Eagles were going to lose, man. Like, I was like, dude, there is no way Matt Patricia should be calling plays. Um, they've been bleeding production all year to the outside. Uh, I've been really targeting them in DFS. Yes. The wide receiver position. Got lucky last night. Had JSN to score a tutty at plus 333. Got that last touchdown. Got beat Bradbury over the top. But to lose a game like that, got to be a little worrisome. For the Eagles moving forward. Uh, I hate the Lakers chimes in. Should I start Zamir White? Zamir White this week. Um tougher matchup. Tougher matchup. But I think it kind of depends if Jacobs goes. And it sucks because that's one of the later games on Christmas Day. So we're not gonna know until the morning of. I wouldn't, I think Jacobs is gonna go, so I wouldn't gamble it. I would start Zamir White. Funny thing is, if I would have started White over Javante Williams, I would have won this week. But I didn't do that. Live and learn. Matt chimes in. What are your thoughts on the Bills? They seem to be back. Tempted to take them at plus 14 to win the Super Bowl. I think that the Bills, when they were, I mean, there were much bigger prices the last couple of weeks. It feels to me like you're buying 
It seems weird because it's the Bills at 14 to 1 to say you're buying low right now, but that price has tumbled, you know, gone down quite a bit now. I think the Bills have as good a chance to make the Super Bowl as almost anyone in the AFC. But then you get there and you're going to be a pretty big dog against the Niners. So I would wait, maybe hope that that price goes up back to 20 to 1 or higher, personally. I actually got them at 50 to 1. Yep. My boy, Bobby, 50 to 1 a couple of weeks ago. Yep. I actually got them at 51. I think the Bills are back. Uh, looking at the AFC, how everything's constructed, wouldn't surprise me at all if they're the team that comes, comes out of it. My first takeaway, speaking about the Bills, the Cowboys who just played the Bills have some serious issues. They got manhandled by the Bills. They rushed the Bills 266 on 49 attempts, averaging 5.4 yards per carry. This offseason, the Cowboys were vocal about needing to stop the run. They drafted Smith from Michigan. And it's still an issue this year. They're giving up 117.4 yards per game on the ground, 11th worst in the league. This team can't stop the run, and they get bullied at the point of attack. With the 49ers, Eagles, and Lions, all top six per DVOA in rushing and attack, I'm not sure the Cowboys will be able to stop those rushing attacks come the playoffs. Plus, here's something about my boys. I'm a huge Lions fan. Five games this season, the Lions have had all their starters in the offensive line. In those five games, 5-0, and averaging 38.4 points per game, rushing for a buck, 79.4, 179.4 yards per game. If the playoffs were to start today, more than likely, it would be the Lions and Cowboys second round. And if Decker, Jackson, Frank the Tank, Gaskow, and Penny Sewell are all healthy, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to have the girth up front to stop that run game. And I think the Lions are going to beat them. I don't think the Cowboys, because of their up front inability to stop the run, are going to make it out of the NFC. I think they're going to get boat raced by either one of those three teams. Well, I think if you look at just the differential between when Frank Ragno is on the field and when he's not, it's startling. I know yeah. the point you're strong. The strong point, I mean, the line when the Lions offensive line is completely intact, it's one of the best, obviously. But I think I saw the stats yesterday for just when Ragno's been on, he's been off the field for a game and a half ish amount. And it's just amazing what a difference maker he is and how he was able to get back on the field last week. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, I feel like it's every year we, we, this Cowboys role comes when they blow out teams at home that they're supposed to blow out. And then everybody thinks Dak is, is you know, Tom Brady and whatever. And I, I'm not putting this on Dak. He was pretty terrible against Buffalo. But there's just something missing with this core of this Dallas team. And I agree. I think the, the Lions matchup would be interesting because I don't think the Lions could stop the Cowboys either uh, in a game where, you know, indoors. But um, I think the Cowboys are still the Cowboys. And I just see I, – I see – I think if they played the 49ers 100 times – in San Fran, or I don't really even care where that San Fran would beat them ninety plus times. Oh, I mean. for sure. So for I sure. mean, we're what you know they're just they're just not beat built to beat the Niners, let alone the Lions and Eagles. You know, so I still have flashbacks to 2015 when Matt Stafford took the Lions in there, led them down the field, threw the ball to Brandon Pettigrew, the Cowboys DB literally tackled him. They threw the flag, so it should have been PI. Then Des Bryant, without his helmet, came on the field. That should have been a personal foul. 
that wasn't called. And then they picked up the P, the PI call. Like I, I am still pissed about that game <laughs> almost 10 years later, as crazy as it sounds. Um, and my thing with the Cowboys is this is their year. People need to realize that Dak's contract changes next year. Um, they need to resign him. And then once you do that, you're not on that rookie deal. You're not going to have those playmakers. They have Micah Parsons, Diggs, all those guys in the defensive end. Plus, Quinn's probably going to get a job. This has to be their year. And if they can't stop the run, they're DOA in the, in the playoffs. Hell, if they play the Rams first round or the Bucks, I mean, hell, with the way the Bucks are running the ball, they could even lose to the Bucks right now. Um, Scott, second takeaway. What is that, my friend? Yes, it's going to be a little more of a positive one than both of our first takeaways. Um, and it's about the 49ers. And I know that we look at things now and we think that they have the this roster that anybody could win with. But I think that Kyle Shanahan is not getting enough credit for what he's put together there. I know he has choked games away when it's mattered most. And obviously the Super Bowl in Atlanta uh, comes to mind with one of them, uh, you know, being a part of that. But he has put this together from the bottom up, basically. And we look at these players now and think they're studs, but George Kittle was not a highly drafted player. Debo went in the, what, second or third round? Brandon Ayuk was an early second or late first-round pick. Brock Purdy was the last guy taken. Anybody could have traded for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this is his team, and he's put it together, and it's one of the best offenses we've seen this century. So while they have to win the Super Bowl and stay healthy, most importantly, because we know they play super hard and the likelihood of them staying healthy is probably a little bit lower than the rest of the league. But this team uh, is on the road if they stay healthy to roll through the NFC. And, uh, you know, I'm not really a Niners fan nor hater, but I do think Kyle Shanahan has deserved the more credit and maybe a Super Bowl will get him just that. I think he's a little under the radar. And for as good as he been, has been, I don't think he gets the street cred that he should get. I agree with you 100%. Um, and then also you just kind of think about those egos he has. You know, Ayuk, yeah. Debo, CMC, to manage all those guys, manage the studs they have on the defensive line with playing time and reps and everything. I think that's a real under-the-radar yep. he's able to do. And – I don't think he will win coach of the year, but he should, but he should win coach of the year. Um, my second takeaway, I'm, I need someone to reasonably explain to me what the hell the Vikings were doing at the end of the game. I, in the, I, I, it, you're in overtime. It's third and short. You do the tush push and you have five foot eight, 181 pound Brandon Powell. Now, the reality is that's what he is in the media guide. He's probably five foot seven, five foot six, a buck sixty-five. So he's even smaller than what he's listed. And you put him behind pushing Nick Moles in the tush push, you get nowhere. Okay, fine. Now it's fourth down. <laughs> Maybe put someone else back there. No, no. You run it back the same way with five foot nothing Brandon Powell being behind Nick Mullins trying to push him literally what the heck are you doing I've said it for two years now I think Kevin O'Connell is over his head and those two plays that just reassured 
what I thought. Why isn't backup tight end Josh Oliver back there? A backup offensive lineman, a defensive lineman behind Mullins makes zero sense. And when you look at the grand scheme of things, that probably cost them a chance at the playoffs because now you have two games against Detroit and one game against Green Bay and you're rolling out a third string quarterback. I think Kevin O'Connell with those with that decision cost his team a chance at the playoffs and I have no idea what the hell he was thinking. Yeah, and I had the money line on Vikings money line as well, so that was no uh no fun. I I really have no idea what was going on. I am was not as um questionable on Kevin O'Connell, but I said right after <laughs> the second one of those I might be wrong. <laughs> because I don't know how you run that back twice in a row after I don't know. I think these teams, I think we, we've come to realize that the tush push is not something that anybody can do. And acting as if that is the case is, is going to continue to lead teams down the wrong path. The Eagles do it very well. There's other teams that have personnel that can do it somewhat well, but just doing it in big spots like that when it's not something you've regularly done with that group of players, I think is a, uh, is a poor decision. And I want to see what the next um, what's the next thing to come out of the tush push is. Miami had this, and it was a false start. Or so, it was a false start, and they blew it dead. But they lined up Tyreek behind Tua, and then they faked it and they swung Hill out to the flat. So I'm interested to see like what variations if the play still goes on. Who knows. They are talking about basically maybe eliminating the play, but I'm interested to see. I agree. When a team throws out of it. Um, we have now reached the part of the show, my favorite part of the show, where we're talking some bets. Great week last week. If you watched both of us, myself, two and one, and my boy Wade was two and one. So, no, sorry, my boy O'Kane. O'Kane was on last week. My fault. My boy O'Kane and I were both two and one. So, pressure. Uh, I'm gonna, you're going to kick off, my friend. Where are we going to? Well, I don't normally get too into Thursday night games, but I do think there is a bit of an opportunity here uh, with the favorite on uh, Thursday night, Rams against the Saints. I am not understanding any reason why uh, this game opened at four and a half. I, I was looking looking on the Rams side and hoping maybe it would go down to four and it did. I don't really see much appeal right now with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Dennis Allen is not a coach that is impressed at any point during this year. And if anybody's basing their success over the last two games as, as something that's going to lead them to success against real football, NFL football teams, I think they're mistaking. I mean, they played the Panthers and Bryce Young pretty easily the, throughout the season with the starting quarterback, the worst offense in the NFL. And then they played Tommy, uh, whatever his name is, DeVito. DeVito. And the, and the, <laughs> I knew what his name was. I just thought about it. <laughs> uh, Tommy, uh, last week. So they've played, the, we could argue, the two most inefficient offenses in the NFL last couple weeks and been – not, they, they've looked decent on defense, but now they're playing one of the hotter offenses in the league. And I think you could easily make the case that outside of the elite offenses, the Rams 
are the best offense after that right now. When they have Kyron Williams, Matthew Stafford healthy, and both of their top receivers, they've proven to be a, a tough offense to stop. And I think they're in a situation here where they're coming in off momentum. I think you're getting a little bit of a lower number because the Saints have won a couple of games recently that mean very little to me. So, yes, I'd prefer to lay a field goal in this spot, but I think the Rams are the better team. They're at home, and I think they're going to handle the Saints by a touchdown. Um. I, I like that a lot. I'm kind of waiting. I'm going to be involved in the Rams there. I think the Rams, huge coaching advantage with McVay. I think Dennis Allen is Dennis Allen. Since in his co- coaching career, Allen is 25-40-2 against the number. Is that that is a whopping 38.5% ETA with a minus 25.3% ROI. So, yeah, he is one of the worst coaches against the spread. Absolutely love that. Uh, Matt chimes in. Nice hit on the TD yesterday. Thank you, my friend. Sports Facts, did you see the DeVito pizza story? Did you see this one? Uh, I didn't see it, but I read like a tw- – like go if you have it, go ahead. Or- so, basically what happened is a pizzeria in Morristown, New Jersey, which is a suburb of New York, reached out to DeVito – I guess they had framework for him to make an appearance, $10,000, signed 250 autographs, and I spent X amount of time there. And then after the Monday night football game, his agent calls and is like, hey, it's $20,000 now. And then (laughs) the pizzeria went on social media. DeVito ended up having his agent step away from the off the field stuff. So he hired a new marketing firm to do all that stuff and did an appearance for free today at the, uh, at the, that makes sense that you tied it all together. So, so props to him, but Jesus, dude, you can't, I mean, come on, man. I get it. You're a third string quarterback who is undrafted. You're probably not going to be starting next year. You want to get as much bang for your buck as you can. But at the end of the day, dude, 10 grand is 10 grand, man. You're living at home with your parents. Well, you've seen his agent, so. (laughs) You have no overhead cost, man. You you could take that. Um, My first bet. Now, I'm going to pull it up right now to see currently where the line is. I got this one off of openers at 14. The best line right now is 12 and a half. I'm taking the San Diego Chargers. I say it all the time, buying low, selling high. Here's some interesting trends for you, my friend. Teams that lost by 17 points or more playing a team that won by 17 points or more, 61% against the number since 2005. Teams that lost by 35 points or more the previous week, current week, 63% against the number. Teams that lost by 35 points or more that are dogs, 68% against the number. And teams that lost by 35 points or more that are dogs, that dogs getting 10 or more, that jumps all the way up to 83%. Just buy low, selling high. You know, you mentioned it earlier. Bills are starting to become that trendy team that can make a run in the playoffs. I think the number is a little bit inflated because of that, as you mentioned. Plus, they have tons of injuries. You know, AJ Espinen, the defensive end, he's banged up. Phillips banged up. Floyd banged up. Jones, Milano, White. Hyde, all these guys are banged up. Road favorites laying 10 points or more since 2005. 42% against the number last three years dips down to 38%. 
against the number. All the trends just say to take the charges here. And the crazy part is when you look at the X's and O stuff, I don't see one X and O stuff where I can say the Chargers are going to beat the Bills in this. But all the trends say to take the Chargers. I think it's inflated. I'm going to take the Chargers here plus the points. Yeah, I mean, I'll just piggyback one thing. I agree with everything you said, but I mean, you add to the fact the um, people's image of the Chargers right now is uh, playing for a coach that they were they were done playing for uh, in Brandon Staley. And now you bring in, you know, we've seen really, really bad teams play a couple tough games for a new coach type deal. I mean, obviously, Antonio Pierce of the Raiders is the one that comes to mind most recently, but. I think you add the trends all the way up to that, and then you've got the Bills coming off their biggest win of the year. I think that makes a ton of sense. It's either Chargers or nothing for me as well. God, it's going to be a lovely way to spend Christmas Eve. I can't wait. Christmas, <laughs> so Christmas Eve is my mom's birthday, and uh, I can't wait to look at my mom. Is this game on Christmas Eve or is this game on It's the Christmas Eve game. It's the Christmas Eve night game. Yeah, it's Bengals, Steelers, and then them. Oh, no, this game's on the 23rd, thank God. Oh, they okay. I'm missing. Yeah, oh, Saturday. God. Sorry, sorry. I'm mixing up, mixing up. Christmas Eve, not Sunday. I mean, yeah. hey, mom. I know it's your birthday and everything, but let's let's watch this third string quarterback from North Dakota. <laughs> so, um, Scott, what is your second bet, my friend? Well, I'm going to continue the San Francisco offense hype, and this time I'm going to roll with the over in the Niners Ravens game. That's on uh, Monday night. It'll be the last game of Week 15, and. I still think that the that any Niners game with an offense on the other side of the field that can play should be higher than a 46 and a half total. I know the Ravens defense is one of the best in the league. Nobody can cover all these guys on the Niners. There's just they're not gonna just because they can cover the majority of the league and they've got top corners, Marlon Humphrey, uh, obviously Hamilton, etc. About back there in the in the, in the, the secondary, that doesn't mean they're going to be able to stop IU, Debo, Kittle, and CMC and the attack of the Niners with Kyle Shanahan running the show. I think the Niners score early and often, and I think it puts the Ravens in the tack mode with Lamar backing up, which can lead to some big plays both ways. And the Niners defense against the pass has been a little bit vulnerable. Some of it has to do with the fact that they're playing ahead a lot, but I think it's, you know, the pass rush is there, but I think the secondary at times is haveable. So I'm going to go over San Francisco, Baltimore, 46 and a half, and which should be a great way to close out week 16. I like that. I think that game's going to be electric Christmas night. I think that game's going to be high flying. Lamar is going to be able to extend the play. The 49ers, excuse me, they can be attacked in the slot. That's Zay Flowers time. Um, Ravens can be run on with McCaffrey. So I could definitely see this game ballooning out. Who's winning the AFC South? That's a great question because you – the Jaguars is what everybody still thinks. I'm not. I mean, they're they're as ripe as can be, right? And then you got the Texans who are going to be without C.J. Stroud again this next coming week, supposedly with another week for a concussion against the Browns. D. Are the Colts just the best coach team here, and they're just going to find a way that even with all these injuries? I mean, I think Shane Steichen has proven. I already talked about it a little bit to be an incredible football coach. I'll go with the Colts getting plus money a little bit at this point. Yeah, I mean. You kind of look at it, they're pr probably in the best situation. I'm not a big Doug Peterson guy. I'm not a big Trevor Lawrence guy. And you mentioned the Colts coach, um, Shane Spiken. Yeah. Could you imagine if he coached the Falcons? Oh, I mean, Smith. 
Ugh. What Arthur Smith <laughs> is doing is absolutely criminal. Can you imagine drafting three guys that play offense like London, Bijan, and Pitts in the first round every year as an owner or a GM and then getting 10 touches per game or less? You know, these guys, I mean, just it's every game. I mean, it's crazy. This is the thing that gets me. Now, look, I understand it was a rain game and London was due for a bad game just because of the weather. I totally get that. I understand that. But in what world is Tyler Ajir getting 2x? the touches that B. John Robinson is getting. It is insane what is going on. It's pure insanity. And then there was that game down in Tampa where he was sick, but they didn't report it. He wasn't getting any touches. And then he only played like the, um, only played in the, Overtime where he came in, he put him in for one play near the goal line. It was crazy. This it, Arthur Blank uh, did not give the most ringing endorsement of Arthur Smith today when it was asked. Uh, it sounds like to me that he has to really finish things out strong here. I want somebody new in there, and I want a good, I want a legitimate veteran quarterback because I want to see London, Bijan, and Pitts at their best and find out what these guys are truly all about because we still don't know. And I think people need to realize that this offseason is going to be one of the best offseasons ever in the NFL. You're going to have all these coaching openings, such as the Atlanta Falcons, probably, where you're going to have these new, young, innovative guys that are able to come in, implement the offense. That is beneficial to the players around. Plus, you look at all the playmakers. I mean, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, Chubb, if he's able to play again, Austin Eckler. You have all guys like that that are free agents that are going to be changing, going to be a really interesting offseason. Can the Browns make a run? I say it's I think they're deep. I think it's a shame what's happened for them. Obviously, they 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 made it a decision for the Deshaun Watson thing, but this team is ripe to win, and especially an AFC that's ripe. But I don't think they can win with Joe Flacco and Dorian uh, Dorian Thompson at quarterback. That combo, I, I think that's. I mean, Flacco has has made them look like a legitimate offense more than PJ Walker. But his stats are still. He's not playing good. He's just running a real offense. Is all he's doing. Now it's crazy to think. Like I'm sitting at Skafanski twenty five to one to win Coach of the Year. This team is basically on their fourth quarterback with Joe Flacco is without their starting left and right tackle without Nick Chubb, their best running back, arguably their best offensive weapon and son of a gun, dude, they have 10 flipping wins in the AFC, which is the better conference. XFL Jim chimes in, who is a big XFL guy, obviously by his handle, they'll win with PJ Walker. He'll go down as the best football player of all time unbiased um my second bet and you know what i'm going back to the well give me the pittsburgh steelers here plus two and a half i say it every week buying low selling high everyone is selling the steelers saying they're done this is the spot tomlin rallies the troops Tomlin is a dog, 64% ATS, home dog, 74% ATS, seven points or more as a dog. He is 79%, a dog against the AFC North, 72%.
Bengals are 29th DVOA defending the run, and they're going to be without DJ Reader, who is their best run stopper. This will help the Steelers' run game. This will allow the Steelers' offensive line to double-team Hendricks, plus putting less pressure on Mason Rudolph. And we've seen it all the time with these like older journeyman-type quarterbacks. We saw it with Case Keenum. They're good for two to three drives in a game where they're just able to piece everything together, put the, get some points on the board. And I think Mason Rudolph is going to be able to do this against this Bengals defense. Bengals are 31st per DVOA defending opponents wide receiver twos. Big day for George Pickens is possible. Also, they're 30th defending the tight end per DVOA. So Pat Fryermuth could have a good game. And Mason Rudolph historically likes to target the tight end. Plus, these teams played two weeks ago. And the line there at Cincinnati was the Steelers minus two and a half. They won by six. You're telling me that Kenny Smallhands picket, the difference between him and Mason Rudolph is four points. There's no way there's that much difference between them. Value on the Steelers. When they played in Cincy, the Bengals only had 222 total yards, only 10 first downs. Steelers defense is better than any of the last three defenses the Bengals have played. I think Browning's going to come back to earth. I will take the fighting Mike Tomlins, the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus the two and a half. Still waiting for Browning to come back down to earth. I thought I had him with the Vikings last week, and he was really poised down the stretch there. But you really can't go wrong taking Mike Tomlin at home as a dog. Uh, you might have the stats there in front of you. I don't, but I know it's a ridiculous percentage. Counting him out as a dog in general has been a uh, less than fruitful endeavor for NFL betters for well over a decade. Best coach, one of the, the best coach ever against the spread. Him and Vrabel are just bets to me. And I was really hoping to get the three because I wanted to read all my variable stats here, but it's still sitting at two and a half. Sports facts chimes on. Also, no Chase, it's looking like Chase did leave the mm -hmm. game with an injury. So if Chase isn't there, that's going to limit the Bengals offense as well. Scott, bet number three. Where are we going, my man? Well, this is a team that we both trashed a little bit, but I, I kind of like them in this spot. I'm going to take the Cowboys plus one and a half. At Miami, big game, obviously, for both teams. Miami coming off the easy win against the Jets. Their offensive line was without all five starters in that game, and they were able to handle the Jets. But I think the Cowboys coming back in this spot after being absolutely embarrassed uh, in Buffalo in a game where I don't think anybody surprised the Bills went one, but how they did it. I think people were surprised they were just able to run the ball right down their throats. I, I don't think the Miami Dolphins are capable of doing that in this spot against Dallas. And I think the Dallas defense will rally a little. I think Dallas will make enough plays and find a way to win this game. I don't think it'll necessarily lead them to a, a big run in the NFC playoffs, but I do think it's a good spot for the Cowboys where they're finally maybe getting a little bit devalued instead of overvalued. And, I need the, the the Dolphins still, much like the Cowboys, I guess, to prove it to me in a spot against the big boy type team. And we'll see if they can do it here. I'll take Dallas, though, plus one and a half. Me too. I love the Cowboys. Also, let's make some money. Love the Cowboys. Scott, sports facts. Is Hill playing? Not sure. Not sure. Yeah, I mean, you would, you would think that. I think they could have. I think Tyreek probably would have played in that game if it was a like a playoff type game uh, last week because he was close. 
And I just think they probably were, you know, obviously smart about it. I'd be surprised if Tyreek doesn't play this week. I want Tyreek to play it because I have him to have the most receiving yards. And he's only up. Oh, that would be a terrible beat if you lose that. <laughs> and I have Jalen Waddle under 1050. Which and that would looking, be a bad beat to lose that. All, the, all because of this injury. Which was looking like really good. But now it's not looking as good. So I'm a little worried about that. My third bet, I'm going to Soldier Field. I'm taking the slimiest game of the day. Give me the Arizona Cardinals plus four and a half. Matt Eberflus overall against the number is only 37% ATS. He has never covered a game as a favorite in his coaching career. Fields is a favorite 33% against the number. At home, playing at Soldier Field, in general, 31% ATS. Kyler Murray, as a dog, 64% against the number. This is the one that is absolutely going to blow your mind, Scott. Bring it. As a road dog, Kyler Murray, 79% against the number. Bears struggle defending the pass. Joe Flacco threw for 374 yards against this defense, and Murray is a better thrower of the football than Jersey Joe Flacco. Plus, if the pass rush of the Bears can get home, Murray has the legs to extend the to, to extend the play. Also, I have this rule, Scott. Anytime two bad teams play against each other, I always take the team getting points. Here's a trend to back it up. Teams that have a winning percentage of less than 40% playing against another team with a winning percentage less than 40%, 55% against the number since 2005, last five years, 58%. So the dog in the matchup gets the positive ROA. Plus, who are the Bears to be laying points here? I know they're a hype team coming into this year, a lot of hype. We talked about it last week. Going into this offseason with all these picks, what are they going to do? This sign, train fields. They just don't know how to win. And that was evident last week against the Browns. Eberfuse in his coaching career, 8-23 and 23 straight up. Justin Fields, 8-27 and 27 straight up in his career. Look, I'm taking the cards here. Give me the plus 4.5. I'd even sprinkle on the money line too. It wouldn't surprise me if the cards actually win this game. I like it. This is a Cardinals team that has tried all year without the Kyler Murrays of the of the world. They've um, they brought. I mean, I, I brought up Jonathan Gannon already, and then now I think they're at their best right now with Kyler back after a few games. I saw one of the uh, listeners bring up Trey McBride. I mean, this guy is the next stud tight end. I mean, I think Sam Laporta has shown to be a really good player. Dalton Kincaid will be great. But I think Trey McBride is uh, is in another another uh, stratosphere. I don't know what took it so long for the McBride for the uh, Mackey Award winner to have things click, but I like that a lot, and I also like the addition of a little bit of a money line sprinkle in this spot. The Bears have played good football, but you bring up a great point, Eric. They have yet to prove they know how to win a game. You brought up last week the Lions. The first Lions game speaks oh. to your point as well. They had that game absolutely won. Let me tell you a quick story about that Lions game. So. I had them in Circa Survivor. And then, like, you know, like, 
you're kind of like, oh, I won this game. I shouldn't have. Like, may- maybe this is my year in the circus. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I start yeah. getting a little cocky. And then it was the Monday night game with Jake Browning. And I took the Jacksonville Jaguars. I had Pittsburgh. I had Tampa originally in. But at the last minute, I switched to Jacksonville. And Ugh. Jacksonville lost to Cincinnati. So it wasn't my year. Ugh. Spit. Sorry. Bad uh, that's okay. Let, let's make some money. Um, Scott, what do you think the Bears should do with Justin Fields? Well, I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think it's a difficult one. And it certainly seems like in Chicago, the fans have kind of fallen in love with, to an extent, Fields. I think I think when you're given an opportunity to take a, a generational quarterback, and I, I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a scout here, but both May and Williams for well over a year have been considered potential generational quarterbacks. I think you have to take your chance with that. I think Justin Fields could be a fine quarterback for a while longer. How good he'll be when he starts to lose a little bit of that mobility is a major question. But I think his ceiling, we've seen what his ceiling is. I mean, he could continue to improve to an extent. But you look at guys like C.J. Stroud and these stars that come into the league and you just see the it factor right away. I don't think Fields has the it factor where he's like a certainty to be a star. We're already multiple years into things here. So with both options, I would trade Fields if I could get a fair offer. And uh, I would I would move in on, on the quarterback of my choice or however it worked out. Where should they trade him to? Well, if the Falcons were smart, they would be the ones that would consider Justin Fields. But we've already talked about whether they're smart or not. I have a dark horse team. Go ahead. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Do they make that kind of move? Like, is that in their MO? I, mean, I, I don't disagree with that at all. It's a great take. I, I think we I think we can admit Kenny Pickett, isn't it? Oh, I totally agree. They just feel like the kind of team that likes to build within. And I mean, you know, like um, I, I think it's like a big move for them. That is a pretty big move, but they need something, they need that quarterback. And when you kind of sit back and like if I'm the Steelers GM, if I sit back and I see, okay, I got Lamar, I got Joe Burrow, I got Deshaun Watson. Joe Flacco. <laughs> I I need something. I, I I I definitely need something. And that's why I think like that would be the um the one that makes the most sense. Did you see I think Joe there's a Brown? number of teams that make a sense? I mean, we look now around the league and it's hard to remember because half the teams are playing without their starter. But even in week five or six, we looked around and saw 10, 12 teams that needed a quarterback. I think they should be able to find a suitor. Um, it's a tough question. I mean, I know Fields continues to grow, and maybe if they get rid of Eberflus and bring in an offensive guy that loves the idea of Fields, they change. They, you know, I don't think it's a, an easy answer, but I think they should uh, try to bring in a generational quarterback that so many teams covet. Did you see this Joe Flacco contract for the Browns before I let you go? The uh, the one the off the practice squad new contract, seventy five k per regular season win. Oh, it's okay. It's bonus driven. Yes, two hundred fifty k if they win in the wild card game. Okay, five hundred k for a divisional win. A million if he gets them to the Super Bowl. Two million if they win the Super Bowl. And that'll all be well earned. No, I mean that how much the Browns will make off that. That is absolutely (laughs) insane. 
insane when you think about it. That win. So basically, Darnell Mooney dropping <laughs> that ball made 75K for Joe Flacco. Absolutely mind-blowing. Scott, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Tuesday, coming and talking some NFL. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Also, you've been posting pics daily when Turfway is running. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find those and everything? Yeah, I'm uh, social media wise, I'm a little bit absent compared to past years, but I am on uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Scott Chap. 34 and then i'm on the uh you mentioned uh, eric the turfway park uh, that's the track uh, this, that i'm that i'm uh, working at right now so i'm on there along with uh, caitlin free on the live simulcast each and every day and for my picks like you mentioned i post them every day on uh twitter and you can find them on twin spires as well but uh turfway i know uh, might be new to some people it's not the you know the top tier grade one level of racing but for horse players and those that like to gamble it's at night it starts at 5 55 eastern and full fields throughout so it's, it's a lot of fun in kentucky during the winter i saw no i, I may be wrong with this because i'm i went off twitter and we all know that everything on twitter isn't true Someone said their carryover pot got close or went over a million dollars a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Um, there was a pick five. I think maybe they're talking about the pick five carry. Um, there was one from Friday, Thursday into Friday that was a hundred thousand th something carryover and it tracked it over nine hundred thousand. I think it was oh, Friday. Wow. Yeah, so it got a big handle. Yeah, it's been a really good start to the meet as things grow. It's like the third or fourth years of the new synthetic track there the place is uh new so i i think it's a lot of fun at night and uh I, you can find all my work obviously uh like i mentioned on twitter or uh on the the live feed on your adw make sure to give my boy scott a follow we'll be back next week best of luck to everyone if you tail our bets let's make some money some cash some tickets until next week boys and girls